Hey everybody, Chris here, and we're taking a small break from the Forgotten Books of the Bible series just to get caught up on some recording and content for all of you guys. But don't worry, we aren't leaving you with nothing to listen to. We decided that we would release one of our very first YouTube series that we recorded back in 2020 called The Conviction Series, where we essentially went through the book of James, chapter by chapter, and talked about what convicted us from it. The audio quality isn't that great on some of the episodes, but we really thought that the content was good enough to overlook some of the bad audio quality we had when we first started up. So we really hope you all enjoy this short series and allow it to do some convicting in your life as well. Here we are with a new series for our YouTube channel, The Conviction Series. And what we're basically going to do is uh, look at the book of James first. We're going to go over chapter one and we're going to tell you guys what convicts us. Which is where I was saying this should be the confession series. Instead, yeah. Which those two things kind of go together. Right. Get the conviction and then you give the confession. Right. So out the gate, what convicts you? The whole book of James <laughs> convicts me. Uh, that sums it up. Kind of even prefacing before getting into that, I'm not sure if you remember a few months ago when I was saying, dude, get into James, get on the Bible app, get the message translation, and do the audio version. So mm -hmm. it's just talking to you in today's language. Because if you want to feel conviction, having James talk to you in today's language, and rather than reading it, have the voice coming at you, uh, it kind of just hits different. So when you're like, hey, let's do the conviction series, I kind of jumped right into the message translation. It's like, okay, yeah, let's go there. Right. Yeah. That was also kind of a sidestep to me saying, I don't want to start with what convicts me. You start with <laughs> what convicts you. All right. I'll start then. <laughs> Chicken. I will start with, I think this one has always hit me in a hard way, is verses six through eight. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the waves of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Uh, that man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and is unstable in all he does. And to me, that stood out a lot. That unstableness is really kind of the hard thing that I, I didn't like. Because I know myself. There are times when I come before God. And, and to preface everything, at this point, James is talking about asking for wisdom. But even in the simple thing of asking for wisdom, if I doubt that in any shape or form that God will bless me with the wisdom I need to handle the search, uh, circumstances that I'm going through, then I'm unstable and I doubt. And I know myself, doubting is a very easy thing to do, especially coming from a control freak person, where if I don't see a solution or the answer in front of me, like, yeah, I'm going to freak out and I'm going to doubt and I'm going to constantly sit there like, God, I trust you. Can I see that one more time? And that's, I guess, where the unstable part comes in, because it is a madness trying to trust God, but trust yourself, trust God and trust yourself. And you're going back and forth like waves tossed in the sea and you're double minded. Yeah. And the message, it, it puts it out that uh, people who worry their prayers are like wind whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Right. Because it's just like. Oh, yeah, I can trust you, God. But also, like, what about this other thing over mm -hmm. here that I could do? Or that might work out, too. And, yeah, it's... It's almost like the idea of, like, okay, God is plan A, and then I have plan B, C, and D, and, and E through Z. But God should be plan A through Z. Yeah, that one is a conviction about, about the doubt. 
especially Jesus at its point, he talks about us prayer and asking for things. Mm-hmm. Goes, but the person that asks can't have doubt. You need to ask with the faith. Right. Otherwise, you know, don't expect to happen, just like what James is saying here. And it's, how many times am I praying that God would be more than willing, but I'm kind of not giving them the opportunity through my faith? Because he's like, mm-hmm. if you moved in my direction, you'd see it happen. But I don't move in his direction because it's like, I kind of get that. But I'm just going to drift around right. over here in, in the nebulousness of... Uh. So that one always convicts me. That always gets me. And, and I think it's really more of a... It's a question to my faith. Do I trust God as much as I say I do? And when I tell other people, trust God, do I trust him as much as I say I do? And that's that's where it kicks me in the gut because then I'm like, oh, I don't. You know, I, I, I don't trust him as much as I say I do or I think I do. It's it's the it's the I think I trust God, but I don't. I'm dipping my toe in the water and bringing it back in instead of completely immersing myself into what he has to offer. And it's easy to beat ourselves up and mm-hmm. talk like that as if that covers everything. It was like, I know you. There's so much that you move in faith. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a conviction because there still is that going on. But sometimes it's easy for me to get caught in that conviction. Like, oh, woe is me. Like, yeah. I never trust God. I'm full of doubt all the time. It's like... That's not true. I've kind of trusted on, on a ton of things and some really big things even and seen that go. Mm-hmm. But that's what's even weirder is when we can look in the past and go, oh, I've seen him do all that. Why am I struggling with this one? Mm-hmm. Which then brings a further conviction for me on those verses because like, I should know better. Right. Right. So that's my conviction. Number one from chapter one. What's yours? Number one and leading from that, <laughs> just I'm going to jump down to the bottom of the chapter and how you were saying, telling other people to trust. And then Mm -hmm. when you're at, in the message translation, it kind of lumps together verses. So this is 26 and 27. And the way that it says is, anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. And so the first part of that is like setting myself up as religious. Man, it's really easy to kind of just learn church talk, Christianese, so to speak. You know, you're around it for a while. You get how people are talking like, oh, grace this and, you know, faith and all that. And you bring it in. But when it comes down to it, it's like, where is that really landing with me? And I think it can be really hard. I mean, you've been pastor, I'm a pastor currently, and it's, it's even kind of harder in that because we are talking so much about faith mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to relay the messages here outwardly and people can look at you as if, oh, you have all of this perfect. And without somewhere to let that out kind of accountability wise or mm-hmm. again to confess that this is where I'm at, that can get really hard and saying that really self-deceived. Which is where I like the the second part of that is that the real religion is going out and helping the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guarding against corruption. And I have to do that every once in a while and just go, when was the last time I actually did something in the world? You know, that I actually got myself outside of talking about it, outside of whatever. And I love counseling sessions. I love that. You know, that's reaching out to people. But just go, you know what? I'm just going to go do something real and tangible. Mm -hmm. Which then brings in the other point of conviction because you go, when was the last time I did that? Yeah. I think with those verses, especially from the message translation, because the NIV I have, it says orphans and widows, but the message broadens it to, what was it, homeless and loveless. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of just making it even bigger than just this simple, like, 
two people category, you're you're throwing it into so much more because there are tons of people that have and are don't really need anything but are loveless. And real religion looks after them. And uh, with my translation, again, it just has the NIV. It just has the religion is worthless if it's not. And to me, that that's a hard hit because I don't want to be considered worthless. I don't want to be thought of as, oh, Chris is worthless and he does nothing good. So, yeah, that's a, that's a stinger for sure. And we've just been going through our Sermon on the Mount series, right? If mm-hmm. the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? You toss it out onto the road to be trampled underfoot. You know, I don't want to be worthless. Mm-hmm. But that's what that is. It's just like if you talk a good game, but you're not actually living thing out, it's just like, yeah, you're worthless. Like yourself, you're self-deceived. You're not fooling God. Yeah, uh, I think Timothy Keller says it when we're talking about the loveless. He n- normally says like the marginalized of society, mm. you know, the, the forgotten about and, and that. Um and I know that you said that we can't go beyond James 1, so I'm not going to flip to it. And I'll just kind of <laughs> paraphrase it, but I'm not sure if you guys have heard or you kind of the whole life verse type of thing. In James, it talks about to know good and not do it. For you, that's a sin. And to me, that comes into this whole thing of actually living it out. How you said, oh, well, you're taking it from these two categories and making it bigger, you know, to know what's good. And if you don't do it, that's sin. Like, well, how many good things do I know? Like, how many good things can I think about with my money, with my time, with my relationships, with my knowledge, with my skills, with my everything that's just like, I could be doing a lot of good. And I have a lot of those convictions on like, here's a good that you're not doing because you're being selfish with that stuff instead. And I feel like that to me, well, most things, right? Sin is going to be a lot of just selfishness and a lot of pride. I really like it. And the thought I get with this, with with James is basically telling all of us is, uh, put your money where your mouth is. And that's a lot of people could talk a big game of caring for other people, caring for the homeless and those that hurt, and then not do anything about it. And there are a lot of people who go to pulpits and preach care and love and do nothing about it. So the challenge and the conviction James is saying here is don't write a check with your mouth that your butt can't cash, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, that's later that, on in the translation. I think that's right? a way further uh, breakdown of this whole translation, um, the Chris paraphrase. But it's the truth. Like, if you want to call yourself a Christian and there's nothing behind it other than a term, then you're worthless. It is a worthless religion. And what God's really looking for us is someone who's going to go out there and not just say they love, but show they love. And that, that's the hard part because helping people is hard and difficult and loving people isn't a simple thing. It's not as simple as, oh, I love you and I care for you. It's going beyond that and meeting a need that they're not really expressing and, and seeing what's beyond just the, the simple facade of, I love ice cream. You know, that doesn't mean like I really care about ice cream. I just love to eat ice cream, but there's nothing more behind that. Real love goes beyond just that surface level thing. If it was a passion for me, I'd be like, let me show you all the ice creams I really, really love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what really this is. It's, it's more than words, it's actions. More than words. Faith, it's an action word, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Are you, are you taking us to somewhere else next? I am. In this marvelous chapter of James 1. Uh, I'm torn between two of them. Um, Just keep confessing. I'll save mine for, you know, later. (laughs) With this, the the thing with conviction, we were talking about it earlier, just like 
um, it's really easy for us to get into these things that can convict or that are hard or that really is the gut check mm -hmm. and, and kind of not realize the hope that's there, right? Because mm -hmm. the conviction can, can come in, but the conviction leads to change. Right. And that's the huge hope and it's just like, no matter where I'm at, like when was the last time I loved somebody in this real tangible way that mm -hmm. we're talking about? It can be today. Right. Like, you know, it can be right now. Like God is constantly calling us into forget what happened in the past. Keep pressing into what's before you allow him to work in you, you know, degree by degree to become more and more like Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's like the conviction is more of the signpost to like, hey, get back on track. Right. Not a uh, woe as you look at how horrible of a Christian you've been. God doesn't love you anymore. Type yeah, I think thing. we probably made an error in not uh, uh, separating two terms of conviction and condemnation. Uh, the Holy Spirit will convict me to change. Uh, Satan wants to condemn me and have me sit there and wallow in my self-pity of worthlessness um, where the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you're kind of worthless right now, but we can make you better and get everything back together. So there is a separation between those two. So we're looking at that. Let's convict ourselves to change. So this is all hope of change. I know we always talk about the cure book. Pastors talked about the cure book. Just that idea of under the condemnation, you're feeling like you've got this pile of sin in front of you and God's on the other oh, side yeah. mad at you because, mm -hmm. of the, because of that. But the conviction is really God coming alongside of you on your side of it, looking at like, this is a mess, isn't it? Are you going to let me help you out with this and right. work through it together? Man, reading that book, if you haven't read The Cure, read The Cure because it will gut check you and change you. Anyways, on to yours. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The convicting part of that is, you know, we you sent that meme, and, and it's funny, it's uh, pretty sure a lot of people have seen it, the one where, like, the devil's on a wave and it says above it, man, the devil's really getting me today or something like that, tempting me today. And underneath it, the devil's saying, no, that's not me. I'm on vacation. That's all you, chief. And that's such a hard conviction because right here, James is telling us, you know, sometimes we think, oh, God's tempting me or the devil's tempting. We want to find fault or blame someone for our actions or our choices. But the reality of it is that this is my own evil desires. And the wording right here just st stood out to me so much. He is dragged away. So what you're looking at it is that my own evil desires, they pull me away from Christ. They pull me further. But it's all me. It's all my flesh. It's all my nature. It's me. If I know I have, and I'm going to use food, food a lot, but if I know I have a, a problem eating, let's say, donuts. Don't, we literally just, had, I just donuts. had a donut. And I do have a problem eating donuts. I don't walk into a donut factory if I'm trying to not eat donuts. I don't put myself in there, but my own flesh, my own desires, they will drag me away from what I know is right, and they will put me there. And the continuation of that, once this desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. The parallel that James paints here is a woman who has a baby who goes through all that trauma, the body change, the, the morphing of what's going on inside of her to have a child and then to conceive it. it. There's pain, there's turmoil. And we do the same thing with sin. When we are going through things, it, we're birthing it and it's growing and it's forming in our life. And it may start off as a small little sin or something we think we can manage, but eventually that secret gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger inside of us until it bursts sin. And then comes the fun part of it. 
it grows and gives uh, birth to death and it becomes a full grown thing. And, and and it's a lot. I'm going to keep talking and I know you have some thoughts to share on this. So I'll let you share them. Yeah. Well, I think that going back to food with it, it is like a pertinent, like it's a good way of describing it because we, we get these cravings, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's not for anything in particular, I'm hungry. And in America, I'm hungry. Or you're like, oh man, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. <laughs> like, you're nowhere near starving. But that's how it feels, right? And mm-hmm. you get that craving. It's just like how you can feel, oh, I'm so hungry. It's like you literally just ate a little bit ago. But like with these sinful cravings that come in and those things that start with the thoughts, it's like that's what it wants to get. And they'll just hook in like that. Mm-hmm. So we're just like with the hunger, just like well, you're not going to stop thinking you're hungry until you're satisfied. And that little thought that can get going is just like your flesh won't be satisfied until it fulfills that thing, until it goes from the thought process into the action. And then your flesh gets satisfied and then your spirit is just, you know, it brings forth death to the spirit, right? Death, the separation between you and God that you're not able to connect in your spirit anymore in that way. Again, the hope is you can confess the sin. He's Mm -hmm. faithful and just to forgive that and cleanse you and to come back in. This one here in the message, it's saying, We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby, sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Mm. Just like We've also talked about it like, cool, you gave birth to this thing. Now it's this living thing, like something that's there in your life, and now you have to go and kill that living thing. Right. You know, it's not the thought anymore. It's like now something's real in the world that you need to take care of. If it's a way that you treated somebody, if it's something that you did with your resources, like whatever that thing is, it's like that's real now and that Mm -hmm. has consequences and you got to deal with that real thing. Howdy. This is Sheriff Jay Arkansas and I'm here to bring order to the wild west of your flesh with some convicting truths. Look, you must get rid of the doubt because that makes you double-minded. Your thoughts are literally split in two. You're unstable. Also, stop blaming God for the temptations in your life. Listen up. God isn't tempting you. That's your own evil desires. If you give in to them too much, it becomes sin, and sin leads to death. Finally, you must do what the Bible says completely. Don't deceive yourself thinking you can read it without doing it. Don't be that person who looks in the mirror and sees mess all over and doesn't change a thing. Change yourself. This has been Sheriff J. Arkansas, and you've just been convicted. And, and I think the, the part about it, like, it gives birth to a killer and even the idea of death. Uh, and this just kind of hit my brain right now. We kind of always internalize this. Like, I think this gives birth to uh, a killer or death in me. But if I really th- look at some horrible desires and sins, when I look at lust and what lust can do to a family, whether it's through uh, an affair or adultery or uh, pornography, that could rip a household apart. If I look at alcohol, that can rip a family apart when someone becomes an alcoholic or a drug addict or any of these vices or anger in itself. Anger is, you know, something we're not going to think as a category eight on the sin meter, 
Um, yeah, I was just going to skirt for everybody here that doesn't have a background like mine. Yeah. Do you gossip? How much are you talking about people right. behind their back? Like, especially like, man, that guy, like, whoa, birth to the sin baby. Like, yeah, right there, and yeah. that's a killer. And it's not just a killer to yourself. It's a killer to those to that person. An anger issue is a killer towards whoever you erupt at. You can kill someone's joy. You can kill someone's happiness. You could even kill someone's relationship with God by how you're acting. So these evil desires, this flesh. <laughs> Why are you hurting me? <laughs> <laughs> it's the conviction series. And it all just popped in my head right now. They, they, they will kill more than what we know and they will bring death. And it's not just you that's at, at risk here. And I'm going to stop because if not, I'm going to leave with too many bruises. So your turn. <sighs> all right. There's so much more that could be said on that. Yeah. On that right there, man. Well, I mean, there's a couple different ways to go that are convicting. One is right up front, you know, consider it all joy, the trials that you're facing, mm-hmm. which you need to train yourself into that mm-hmm. because generally it's a lot easier to complain. Things aren't going my way. Yep. And until you get to a point of spiritual maturity towards like God is in control, this is something that's here. It's a test, but it can turn into a testimony of faith, both in my life and to those around me. But, you know, that's a level of maturity. And sometimes I can be immature and something's not going my way. And I'm not thinking, oh, man, this is the endurance building thing. I'm not looking at it like my daily life is going to the gym and God just like put on another rack of weights for me to lift. He's like, all right, here we go. We're we're building some more muscle here. We're building that faith out. It's uh, kind of a lot easier to go, but (laughs) I can't lift that. I'm so tired. Like, when is my cheat day, right? Like, Mm -hmm. let me get the donuts. Like, I'm not trying to lift this thing today. But, yeah, so there's a conviction towards, like, no, this is the truth. Consider it a joy at what this is developing. And, again, in hindsight, 2020, looking looking at the past is like, man, God's brought me through a lot. I'm a lot different today than I was even last year. So... I could go that route with it, but I think that that's kind of as much as I would want to go into that. I don't know if you have anything. Um... No, I, I think you covered all of that. Really, I just think the idea, too, of realizing that um, it's almost an idea of grow up here. Stop complaining. Everyone goes through stuff. Persevere. Allow God to do something in this, not just let it be something that's done because it's done to you. You know, if you really allow God to work in our trials or whatever we're going through, he can work big time. And when he works big time, it creates this perseverance when we allow it to, when I stand my ground, when I put myself in there. And then when the next one comes, I can endure it a little more. So yeah, I think you covered that one pretty good. All right. So again, message I'm down in, it lumps together 22 through 24. And don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word of God go in one ear, out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in a mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. And yeah, so to look into the word of God, to see who I am in Christ to know that, to see myself there, to have all of the promises in Jesus are yes and amen. Mm-hmm. You know, take off the old man, put on the new, take out the heart of stone, put in the new fleshy heart that has God's laws written on it. His spirit is in me, abundant life flowing out of everywhere. And then I go out and I'm a jerk. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, like, I don't know, that's some conviction right there. It's so filling to get into the Word of God and to, to just read, and you're like, man, this is so true. And when God's convicting of the good things, and it's like, man, I really desire that in my life. Or I'm looking at Jesus' life, and he's like, hey, man, the same Spirit is in you. Walk in my way. Follow my footsteps. Like, I'm with you to the very end of it. Anything you ask, I'm with you. And, like, that is so encouraging to me. And within the depths of my spirit, just like, I desire to be that man. And when I'm anything but, and when I know better, it's like, what am I doing? And especially how you brought up, it's that little thought that comes in, right? And it's like when that little thought comes in, it's like for a lot of things, like I'm not caught off guard. This is like, oh, that annoyed me. And I'm just going to let that annoyance fester. And that'll build up. And over the course of a month, and then something's going to land on you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So not everything is an immediate. It's not like, oh, I feel like drinking. I'm going to go and drink. But during that whole process, you know, you're sitting there thinking thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking about someone. Like, if I'm if a name gets brought up and I'm thinking anything other than love towards that person and compassion, it's like I have an issue, but that's where it lands sometimes. Right. I like this because it's kind of like James basically saying, um, what kind of person are you that you'll look in the mirror, see the snot coming out of your nose, see the stuff in between your teeth, and be like, no, nah, I'm good, and keep walking away. It's a presentation, right? Like, how are you presenting yourself to this world? If you're just reading this Bible and then deceiving yourself that's that that word that term there deceive yourself you listen to the word so you look in the mirror and you look and be like all right uh there's a long hair coming out of here i got nose hair ear hair uh hair's jacked up eye gunk i'm good i look great mm -hmm. and you walk away from that you have deceived yourself you didn't really look in the word and then when he follows that up in verse 25 uh, but the man who intently looks into the perfect law that gives freedom. So then to me, the understanding is it's my intent to look into God's word and allow it to change me and give me the freedom I have to look in there. And then what I think sometimes is not to see me, but to see Christ. And when that reflection pops in, then who am I presenting myself to be in the world? I'm presenting myself not as me, but as Christ. So it's really, I look at it as more of a presentation thing. And someone who uh, who struggles with vanity... <laughs> Like we're getting this all set together and I'm looking, I'm like, man, I got to lose some weight right here. You know, the vanity in me is subconsciously thinking in the background, how weird do I look when I look off into the camera or how stupid my face is all the time. At least you're not blending into the wall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the autofocus has gone out a couple times because I'm a... But it's that vanity in me that will not allow myself to leave the house if one strand of hair is all like messed up or anything because I'm looking intently. I'm looking where I know I like have ear hair that grows out every once in a while that I have to pluck and we play a game at the house is it uh, ear hair nose hair or eyebrow hair which my family hates but like I know that stuff and I will sit there and intently look and I'll even say like Justine how did you let me go outside with this she's like I didn't see it but I intently looked at myself and I knew what I looked at like before I left and that's what James is telling us when you intently look into God's word you know what it looks like you know how you should reflect and live it and if you leave that mirror, if you leave this mirror, the Bible, and don't correct anything about it, again, the hope to con where conviction becomes correction, if I don't allow my conviction to correct me, then I deceive myself. And I, I, it's worth it. And then it goes into, which is really cool, that he then continues into what we talked about earlier, the worthless religion. See, I think that's interesting, the two different approaches, right? Because you're saying, like, look at it, and then 
realize what doesn't line up. Like, mm-hmm. look in the mirror and see yourself, right? As far as who you are, it's like the Bible gives you the real mirror to see yourself, not your self-illusion mm-hmm. of, like, how good you think you are. It's like, oh, you've been looking in the funhouse mirror. And <laughs> like, Let me give you the real one. And you're like, oh, man. So it's like, I get that. Whereas the way that I was approaching it is like, when I look at the Bible, it's like, who has God created me to be? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? To be able to see Christ. It's just like, to me, it's just like, that's who I am. So be who I am. Mm-hmm. And when I fail to be who I am, that's when the ugly stuff happens. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the, the opposite. I think both of them right, both accomplish the same yeah. thing, but it's just a mindset difference. So it's interesting that you look at it that way. It's probably because of the vanity in me, <laughs> which I won't uh, not let people know is because this is the conviction series. And I know that is a struggle. So probably the vanity in me where like, you're okay, you know, with how you look. So <laughs> was that a slight? <laughs> not at all. Uh, <laughs> conviction. Um, uh, <laughs> I really, those were the big ones that stuck out, uh, stood out to me uh, mm-hmm. as far as the ones I brought up. Those were the ones that kind of kicked me in the butt when I read it. There are a few things that I, I would like highlight if we were going to go through the chapter itself and like look at um, verse 17 for every, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And, and to me, that paints a good contrast between us and God. God does not change. We are the people who kind of doubt and are unstable. And then 21 also was a good one. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth evil uh, that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you and really what james is telling us there is uh you know he's talked about giving birth to something and we kind of mentioned that you would have to kill it once it becomes a live thing which is painful but here he's kind of saying the same thing therefore get rid of the moral feel get rid of it whatever's causing you to stumble whatever's in your life that you don't like and the evil that's so prevalent like that stuff is there it's in your face you know it we're not talking about this sin that like you do on accident or a moment of frustration because you stubbed your toe. We're talking about something that you're facing every day. Get rid of that. Humbly come before God, accept his word, and, and live the way you should. Those were other, some, some good ones, but that, that's really all I got from, from this, unless you got anything else. Well, just on that get rid of that, when we're talking about temptation, is that there can almost be this idea that I will become a good enough Christian the, the temptation will go away. Mm. Like, I will get beyond this thing. And while that's true, like, you know, things that tempted me when I was younger had different stuff going on in my life. Like, I don't think about that stuff today. Thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Right? But we always have this thing called the flesh that we need to die to daily. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wherever you're at in life, with whoever you're around and whatever's going on, it's like that flesh... Like, that's a lifelong reality that is not just like, oh, I'm Christian enough, that thing doesn't happen anymore. It's like, no, you need to put forth the effort in the spirit. Like you said, get into the word and do the thing in order to kill it. If we're just thinking like, no, I I should be past this by now. Like, yeah, we all think that and we'd all hope that, but that's not reality. Mm -hmm. So I struggle with temptation. You struggle with temptation. Newsflash, you struggle with temptation get some accountability with people, do the confession between God, get help from people. Cause like, it's not the sign of weakness. Like, Oh no, I'm struggling. It's like, we all are Yeah. like, get over yourself, you know? And, uh, and when somebody's like, no, I'm per- like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I don't need any of that. It's just like, 
that's denial, buddy. So let me introduce you to Celebrate Recovery. Step one, we're going to face that denial. I liked how you said that at the beginning, that I can become a good enough Christian to overcome this. And that, to me, is that work philosophy, which I think we'll get into with faith and deeds in chapter two. But uh, So I'm not going to talk too much about it. But that kind of, I can work and or I could push myself to overcome something when Jesus is saying, yeah, you're not going to do that by yourself. Not by yourself, but we can overcome. We can, but you're not going to, yeah. we're not, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to be, uh, the way you said I like the good enough Christian. And when I think of that, I just, I don't think of someone who's actually like practicing their word and living it. I think of someone who's like, I'm going to try my hardest. And if I try my hardest. We're well, talking about the person, the self-deceived religious yes, person. Who, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that really speaks volume because I think a lot of us try our hardest and then we're carrying this kind of yoke that we shouldn't and these burdens that we shouldn't. And Jesus is like, why are you carrying that? Here's what I have for you. I've presented freedom for you. But you kind of took on a load that you shouldn't. And now you're carrying more weight and you're struggling. Give that back to me and take my forgiveness and love and move forward in it. I always like when Jesus healed uh, people, there was always the go and sin no more. And kind of what he says here, you know, accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So. Yeah, that was, that was some good stuff. There's a thing about conviction for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to end mine. The conviction for the good thing, you touched on it. But verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. I was like, to be convicted by that, that like out of all of creation... And we know more about creation today than ever. I mean, out into the depths of the universe and Mm -hmm. like just how amazing everything is. We are his prized possession. And when he looks out at everything, he goes, look at Chris, look at Murdoch, look at you. Like, I love them so much and what is happening in their life and in this new life that they've chosen to live with me. Like, that is the amazing thing. And it's just like, if I can get overtaken by that good Mm. conviction, that like, man, God loves me so much. Just live in the conviction of how much God loves me. It's a lot easier to walk away from the bad stuff. You know what I mean? But yeah, James chapter one. James chapter one. Uh, A good ouch from chapter one and a good way to end it. So I am Chris. This is Murdoch. And we are your church friends. Thanks for listening.